AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain market started the day on the defensive, but corn found a way to climb back to the plus side of unchanged. Wheat was mixed, soybean futures ended the day lower, the cattle complex was higher, and lean hog futures sent a strong signal that last week's two-day upside recovery is over. Live from the unspoiled shores of a glimmering new week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much, everyone. Welcome to AgriTalk this afternoon. Uh, glad that you're with us. Going to have a great conversation with Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Looking mm-hmm. forward to that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it uh, it's, the markets are kind of all over the board. Really, I, I when we had corn, uh, call it a penny and a half to three and a quarter cents higher, and doggone it, if that isn't impressive in the face of how the other markets traded today. Mm-hmm. The ability to to get up and to close on the plus side of unchanged in corn, I'm fairly impressed by that. We'll check in with Jack on that here in just a moment. But uh, at the, at the same time, some spread activity in the soy products, keeping things a little bit on edge. Beans favored the meal market today. Tomorrow they could favor the oil market. We'll just mm-hmm. have to wait and see. Well, and 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 the the last thing I'm going to throw in there on the soy complex. Yeah, is maybe soybean oil and crude oil again are connecting and maybe deciding to trade together for a little while in here. Here's the thing. The markets are a little bit like a civilian weather balloon. You know, you release it into the air. There's no telling which way it's going to go. You just you let her loose and off she goes. And you hope for the best. You hope for the best. You just hope you just hope some madman doesn't shoot it down along the way, right? <laughs> exactly. That's all I, you're really hoping for. Now you're hiring divers to dig up the little basket with the message for grandma, you know. <sighs> what well, I if only there were a more effective way of communicating, huh? Rather than if sending only. up the balloons. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Wild stuff. Let's get to the news. Chip, <laughs> wheat futures recovered from mid-morning selling to end the day above session lows. March SRW wheat futures spiked the 750 level and found a way to close above that pivotal mark. Export inspections of wheat in the weekend of February 2nd totaled more than 536,000 metric tons. That topped trade expectations. Shipments are now 2.1% behind the year-ago pace compared to USDA's estimate that exports would decline 3.1%. A more active weather pattern for the central and southern plains is expected to bring increased rain chances to the hard red winter wheat belt in the near term. March HRW wheat futures three cents higher today, 8.76. March soft red wheat down six and a half cents to 7.50 and a quarter. 
March spring wheat closed at 9.17 and a half. That's down four cents today. Yeah, I don't think there's any drought-breaking changes to the pattern, but increased chances uh, suggest that we're heading in that direction. Corn export inspections weekend at Feb 2 of just over 480,000 metric tons were at the low end of trade expectations. USDA this morning also announced the sale of nearly 112,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to Japan in the current marketing year. Mexico also bought 100,000 tons of corn for this year and 100,000 metric tons of corn for delivery in the 23-24 marketing year. Drought stress on the Argentine crop is rebuilding, but corn still struggled to close on the plus side of unchanged. March corn futures a penny and a half higher, 679. May corn up two and one quarter cents, 677 and three quarters. July futures closed at 668, up three and one quarter today. We'll get an update to USDA's estimate of Argentine production on Wednesday in the WASD report. March soybean meal nearly matched Friday's trading range, but posted an inside day with a high range open and a low range close as spreaders took profits on spreads against short bean oil positions. Bean oil futures traded slightly higher while beans were more willing to follow meal to the downside. Traders added that increasing political tensions between the U.S. and China after last week's balloon fiasco put the bean grain markets on the defensive. The rally of the U.S. dollar also made it difficult to add to buying in the grain markets. March beans 10 and three quarter cents lower, 1521 and one quarter. May beans down 11 cents, 1514 and one half. July beans closed at 1507, down nine and one half cents. Yeah, lots of moving parts. We'll find out from Jack what may be the most important things going on in the soy complex. Well, March cotton was 216 points lower today, 8327. On the livestock side, light follow-through to Friday's gains was enough to score a new contract high and contract high close in April live cattle. Traders are looking again for strength in the cash market as supplies of market-ready cattle tighten. April cattle 35 cents higher, 164.47 and one half. June cattle up 42 and one half to 106.70. March feeders were a buck 60 higher, 187.70. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures, mostly steady. Deferred contracts, sharply lower as they narrowed premiums to the cash index. April lean hog futures, 375 lower, chip 82.72 and a half. The June contract down 275 to $100.55. Over to you, Chip. All right, very good. Uh, I got to fix a little bit of a typo in that, that cattle close. Yeah. Okay, June live cattle up 42 and a half cents to one. 60 70 oh see i had okay. 10 60 70 yeah. here and i just it, i didn't say it right yeah i know, you know that's I, my bad i saw it's that on me. okay no worries 160 <laughs> 70 on the close there in the april let's bring Glad in jack Sco- thank you davis let's bring in jack scoville price futures group hey jack how's it going hey it's fabulous how's it going for you the sun is shining we're above freezing things really couldn't be much better for uh february 6th <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you gotta love this. Uh, you gotta love this mild winter we're having yep. here in the Midwest. That's for sure. Sure do, sure do. Okay, I was fairly impressed by the ability of corn to get to the upside of unchanged today, Jack. How about you? Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, it held uh, held together pretty well last week. I thought, and it looks like we had a little file through buying here today. Uh, I think related to uh, related to the fact that China is finally starting to show up on the buy side in corn and the uh, cash market, 
that's one thing. Uh, another thing is is that uh, uh, we're bidding for acres, of course, uh, and corn because of cost of production, which are actually dropping, but still, uh, still rather high compared to beans. And the third thing is all this rain going on down in uh, central and northern Brazil, uh, really delaying the harvest of beans down there, and that is preventing the winter corn crop from getting planted in a timely way as well. And that could become uh, very important if uh, the rain shut off before pollination. Jack, it feels like if we get another 10 days of rain in those areas that have been getting hit consistently, it becomes a, it becomes a significant market factor at that point, doesn't it? Yes, I think so. I yeah. think uh, we're already starting to you know hear about it. And we've been hearing about it for a while, but I think in another 10 days, two weeks, it becomes a super important factor here. Uh, there's going to be little chance that the uh, Brazilian crop will make uh, anywhere close to trend line yields or anything like that, uh, you know, if, if, if we go a little bit longer because the rain's just, you know, with the tropical nature of the climate down there, the yep. rain shut off. Yeah. And once what? the rain shut off, that's it. It's <laughs> done. It's done. Jack, good stuff, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. We've got Garrett Toy next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. Davis, did you hear the news yeah. about Ozzy? Yeah, he's not going to be uh, touring anymore, apparently. It, yeah, and that, not that he that. didn't have a bunch of shows already sold out. He's going yeah, to. He's canceling those shows. Mm-hmm. And just deciding to stay home. Well, what is he? Seventy four, I think I heard. Yeah, Ozzy even... Osbourne, seventy four years old. Yikes. How did that happen? I think he's. I think he's earned some time off. Yeah, you know? if he wants to take uh, some time off, God put bless your feet him. up. Yeah, they're trying to figure out how he can do things virtually. Ew. I, yeah, I would don't that, know. Would that be I, the same? Like, would you go see Nickelback? Oh. Uh, and like, just sort of watch the. Well, would you watch a hologram of Nickelback? Would you, would you still pay seventy four fifty for a ticket for that? No. I wouldn't either. Nope. No. No, that's, that's yeah. Wow. Anyway, yeah, yeah there that it was. If, if, if you missed your chance, you missed it Yeah, uh, to it's see over. Ozzy. 
It's mm-hmm. that's uh wow, that's a big blow. All right, let's get to Garrett Toy Egg Trader Talk. Good afternoon, Garrett. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing all right. All right. Do you ever get a chance to see Ozzy? I have not, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so. once. Long, long, long time ago. Were were you at the were you at the show in Des Moines where he where he bit the head off the bat or was, no, was that the one? No, or no? I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you wish you were, <laughs> not to see it, but just to say that you were. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How are things going, man? You okay? Yeah, no, we're good. Got a lot of good. stuff on our plate right now, a family, yeah. but uh, we're all good. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking a lot about you, and I hope everything turns out for the absolute best there, my friend. Um, yeah, thanks. So, just one day at a time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Let's uh, let, let's get onto these markets. I think you heard Jack say that here we are. We're we're maybe ten days away from the rains in the northern production areas of Brazil from becoming a real. Re, he said we're it's starting to become a factor. But boy, if if things don't change, and here we are ten days from now with the similar conditions, it's going to be a real issue for the markets. Is, does that make sense to you? Uh, I mean, I think I think uh, an issue in general with the Sabrina crop will have the market uh, nervous, just considering the tightness of the U.S. situation as well as the drought that we're having in in Argentina. Um, timing wise, I mean, you have to remember um, because last year's crop was earlier than the year before. Then actually, you know, last year's Sabrina crop was a little bit more advanced. So a year over year comparison is is actually man, that looks really bad when in reality, if you look over the, the course of work over five years, it's not that far off the pace, Okay, but they, they do need it to stop raining. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. In fact, I, I've seen comments from like uh, Danielle at, uh, at Agrarell where they say it's a lot of winter-like conditions. It's not so much the rain, but there's no sunlight. Man, we can relate yeah. to that up here with, yeah. you know, cloud cover. Things just don't dry out, you know, and it just compounds the issue. So they, so, um, yeah, I mean, they do think they definitely need a pattern change there. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, have you heard anything about the condition of the beans out in the field? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's Brazil. Uh, I've yeah. always kind of, I've always kind of, I've always kind of wondered about the, uh, the, the bar that we're held to versus the bar that they're held to. <laughs> um, as far as soybean quality, um, but uh, I mean, it varies. I mean, obviously, I mean, they all have ad- adapted their machinery to uh, account for moisture with the, you know, most of their combines have tarps over the hoppers and, and whatnot. But I, I've, I've, I've seen very good soybeans out of Brazil. I've seen some beans that are kind of iffy and it's yeah. just, you know, it's a big enough crop. I, I don't think it's a market mover by any means, and and uh, they're the cheapest beans, so China's going to take them hand over fist, regardless of quality. Um, yeah. And uh, well, you know, they're they're just they're it, not an issue, it, I think. And I think I, I think Argentina is going to be right there to say, listen, if if you've got some stuff that is a little questionable, let's get them to the closest crushing plant that we can. They're here in Argentina. Absolutely. And absolutely. There's going to be an out there. I mean, I think the Brazilian crop is big enough, but there's going to be a lot of cross-border transactions there that are going to help feed that Argentine crush industry. Yeah. Yep. Are you, are you bullish on, on demand on beans? Um, I think, I, I think that between the, the Chinese reopening 
Uh, I think beans will probably have a better value. I don't necessarily know how far they can rally without a general commodity um, right. lifting, if you will. Um, I think from a demand standpoint, uh, beans probably globally, you've got, <laughs> you've got to break it down globally versus domestically. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, um, and obviously, you know, since we export majority of beans, that's, that's, the, that's the market we're focusing on. I think beans have a better demand potential than corn. If I were making a, uh, uh, a face-to-face, um, yeah. um, comparison, if you will, um, just, I mean, corn has, I think corn has potential. We just need to have, uh, we, we've got work to do. I mean, and we're the market in corn right now, but, um, you know, it just hasn't, hasn't realized that, but there's, there's some, some green shoots there that looks like that the corn domain is going to be here. But I, I think that the big driver here is that is the Chinese reopening. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that they're, they have some restocking to do. Um, and I think that's going to support things, uh, longer term. Yeah. Speaking of the corn demand, we get some, we get a sale to Mexico, uh, one for the old crop, one for the new crop. Japan is in there again overnight. Yep. And neither one of them, or the, the combined effect was less than if China would have been announced as a buyer of U.S. corn in the overnight. Um, right. It just, it, the traditional it's, it's, buyers don't have an impact. Well, because we know that it's a, it's a captive market, and, and we know that, you know, you know, Japan's bought a lot of corn out of Brazil. You know, I mean, it, since yeah. 2012, when they re, when they realized that that you know that corn cracks just the same as our corn, and then we lost that business. Um, but the fact that they're back, I mean, that confirms that the U.S. is the one is the market. I mean, obviously, Brazil's not going to really get too aggressive on corn exports in here because they've got a bean crop that they have to ship. Yep. But um, you know, I, I, you know, China China bought corn last week for the first time in forever you know i mean on on the weekly export sales i mean i think that china is is in the market you know and it's just a question of how much they're going to buy from us i mean and they're prudent business people they you know they bought the cheapest origin but the the other things the the green shoots i know i mean they they bought you know almost four hundred thousand tons of sorghum the last three weeks you know so they're in the sorghum market as well so they're they're buying feed grains you know and and one of my good friends in china said made the comments that you know, China's kind of reverting back to this, um, you know, trying to encourage soybean production, soybean demand, uh, or, or excuse me, soybean production, you know, the self-reliance program yeah. that they had during during the trade war. And, and ultimately, that would be friendly to to more corn imports at some point, Yeah. Uh, should, should that be the case. But, um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we get to that point. But, yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that, it, given, I mean, China have bought two million metric tons out of China or out of Brazil over the last two months. They are, they obviously need corn with the yeah. the Ukraine situation. Um, it's just a matter of of uh, you know how much they've got to buy and and how much of the share that we get. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you know, it's uh, with the tensions that we have with China, the geopolitical tensions that we have with China, with the balloon and everything like that. It, it's mm-hmm. real easy. It's real easy to say, ah, but. You know, for the grain markets, China hasn't been that much of a fact. China is still a big deal when it comes to where these markets are going, isn't? Aren't they? Uh, absolutely. I mean, their their economy as a whole, especially in crude, yeah. and, and not just in the in the grains. I mean, what what they do is just when you've got a country that has that many consumers. Um, yeah, they're obviously they're a big deal, and um, you know, I don't know. 
um, you know, you had the noise over the weekend of the, of the surveillance or the weather balloon or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and some people are attributing that was, that's why we were weak in here. You know, we're getting the South American harvest. I mean, seasonally, this is kind of where we fall apart, you know I mean? So how much weight do you, how much weight do you give that? You know, the, the one, one thing that's being said is, is, you know, even compared to where we're at this year versus last year, I mean, we, this report last year, we cut bean production between Brazil and China, uh, Brazil and Argentina by six and a half million metric tons. And then we went on to see no beans gain 80 cents on these corn yep. over the next three weeks. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's in the face of Russia invading Ukraine as well. We're, we're not, we're not going to repeat those type of instances here, right. but there's, you know, I think we're kind of complacent on this Ukraine Russian situation still. I mean, we're obviously not going to see an invasion that causes a shock in the market, but right. um, there's still a lot of things that can go wrong here. I mean, we're shipping tanks over there. Um, we could see a re-escalation. We can see Western States, you know, reluctantly being pulled into the situation. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with this weather balloon. <laughs> you yep. know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, always expect the unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. And there are many things, many issues out there that we don't have a grasp on and how it, they're, they're going to wrap up. So we need to uh, stay flexible for the, uh, for the unknown in these markets. Okay. Garrett, when we come back, I want to know what you're talking about with your clients right now. What are the issues that matter the most? That's next on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. Beijing called the U.S. downing of a surveillance balloon an obvious overreaction. And a foreign minister said China, quote, firmly opposes and strongly protests against this. Forecasts call for net drying across Argentina this week as spotty rains will not be enough to offset evaporation rates amid hot temperatures. Brazil's soybean harvest advanced just four percentage points to nine percent complete as of last Thursday, according to Ag Rural. That was seven points behind the same time last year. President Joe Biden gives his State of the Union address on Tuesday evening to a joint session of Congress. The ag sector will be watching to see whether Biden mentions a new farm bill. Indonesia says it will suspend some palm oil export permits to secure domestic supply amid rising cooking oil prices ahead of upcoming Islamic festivals. News of notice taken from the pages of ProFarmer. Get more with TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Hey, 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We are in the middle of a conversation with Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Before we get back to Garrett Davis, let's go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were three cents higher at 876. March soft red wheat was down six and a half cents to 750 and one quarter. March corn futures a penny and a half higher, 679. July corn closed at 668. That's up three and one quarter cents. March soybean futures 10 and three quarter cents lower, 1521 and one quarter. July beans closed at 1507, down nine and one half cents. March cotton, 216 points lower, 83.27. On your livestocks, April cattle, 35 cents higher, 164.47 and one half. By the way, June fat cattle up 42 and one half to 160.70. March feeders, a buck 60 higher, 187.70. And April lean hog futures, 375 lower. Ouch, 82.72 yeah. and a half. That's your quick market recap. Back over to you, Chip. Boy, I tell you what, when the buyers leave the hog market, they all they leave go. at once. Yeah, don't out they, they go. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, really something. And all we got was like two days to the upside last week after being under pressure early last week and, and uh, kind of a tough situation going in those hogs right now, looking for a bottom. All right, let's get back to Garrett Toy, Ag Trader Talk. Garrett, um, so what does that conversation with your clients sound like right now? What are... What's at the top of the list that uh, that you guys are talking about? Well, obviously, I mean, we're looking at this the spring crop insurance pricing period, and I don't really okay. think greens are going to do it anything right now until we get a decent idea of where the base price is going to be. Um, this time versus last year, like I said, we had a big production cut in South America, uh, six and a half million metric ton between Brazil and Argentina. I think it was five out of Brazil and, and one point five out of Argentina. Uh, and beans rallied, you know, in all in all intents and purposes, um, you know, beans should have picked up a ton of acres if that's what the the, the uh, conventional wisdom was at this point last year. But, you know, now um, we also had, uh, uh, you know, tightness in input supplies. I mean, we weren't sure, you know, we weren't sure we're, you know, what kind of uh, uh, nitrogen we were going to get or even chemicals for that point. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you know uh, glyphosate was extremely expensive, you know, at this point last time. It still hasn't, you know, it's still not where it was, but, um, you know, there's availability issues. So, um, it feels like the supply chain issues have kind of loosened here a little bit. Um, you know, if you just want to do back of the napkin type math, you know, I, I don't know. We try to, we try to profess, you know, know your break evens, you know, know where you're at. You know, some people do, some people don't. Um, but if, even if you don't do your own break evens, there's a lot of resources out here. These land grant universities, Iowa state university, 55 bushel beans in the state of Iowa, your break evens 1140. Okay. 200 bushel corn, your break evens 477, you know, and I know at this point, you know, depending on where you, where you live, where you farm, you know, I think there's a lot more confidence and ability to grow corn than there is on soybeans. (laughs) Yeah. On, on some of these break-evens because it really doesn't take, you know, if you're, if you're being yield, if it doesn't rain in August, your break-evens suddenly look a lot different, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the, the, we're making some sales here. We're, we're realized that we're not on an upward trajectory like we were this point last year at this point. Um, it's more of a flat, potentially lower trajectory. Um, obviously we've everybody in the brother and so, you know, we've been paranoid about a recession uh, for mm-hmm. the last 12 months, when's it going to yep. hit, when's it going to hit. And then we have the, the, the non-farm payrolls on Friday. It's like, 
<laughs> Good Lord. Maybe we're, maybe we're not going to have a recession. But then you dig yeah. deeper and you realize that, you know, people are taking multiple part-time jobs to, to make ends meet. You know, because if you look at the, the hard data, like gasoline demand and things of that sort, it doesn't support these kind of numbers. So right. um, I, think, I, think there's, I think there's risk. On, I mean, there's obviously a ton of risk on the table, even though uh, I, I see some you know, commentary that the, 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 the margins on corn are a lot better right now than where they were at this point last year. Uh, when you can, where you include, uh, you know, you know, updated input costs or nitrogen costs. Um, so, I mean, you need to lock in those margins because we don't know, you know, it, it, we, one of two scenarios is it's very rare that we have a type of hyperinflation type year, like 2008, we had the blow off top. Yep. Or is this a year like, or was this a year like 2013 where, you know, we have a potential pattern change in the Western Corn Belt. Things are looking a little bit wider, return to trend line yields potentially. No air quotes, yeah. um, and and it's a 2013 type year where um, you know I turn to normal production numbers and, and the market just kind of grinds lower from here. It, Garrett, doesn't that isn't that what it feels like? It doesn't it feel like a 2013? It sure does. I mean, it does to me. I mean, it, it does just, to me. That, that, yeah, that that number that or that year just is in the back of my head that it's just we just one good crop year and this thing just you know, it's, it's, it's over, you know, but um, you know, it's it, the, the, the big question is, is Chinese demand, obviously they're the new buyers in the market. Ethanol is fairly saturated. We do know that we've got you know, renewable diesel demand coming in, in the soybean complex in the next two, three years. Um, you know, this deal, this deal with uh, uh, you know, Green Plains and United last week with a sustainable airline field, I think that's going to be a huge deal for ethanol. But if you look at the grand, the, the 60,000 foot view mm-hmm. is they're shifting away from gasoline, gasoline demand or, you know, uh, combustible engine demand because that focus is shifting to electric, you know, and there's not an electric jet engine out here, you know, no. and, and in that market, the thing about it is that market and we've, you know, shifted the, you know, marketing to those, those aspects, you know, the last 10 years, but, you know, the, the airline market is, is 10 times what the gasoline demand is, you know, just right. because of the, the, the inefficiencies that they have. So, I mean, it makes sense to shift those directions now that we have these new technologies. Yep. But that's a big, that's a, those are long-term bullish trends for commodities, even though if we have a, you know, a, a, a tempering of, of things this year. I mean, we just have a lot of, a lot of flack in the air. Recession, you know, we're rationing demand. Um, I think we're, I mean, I, I think we're rationing this, this this whole U.S. domestic processing market is just horrible. Whether it's ethanol, whether it's soybean crush, um, you know, we're just we're not reaching the potential. These, these crushers are out here with crush margins through the roof, yeah. and they just can't realize it. Yeah, yeah. You would think that it'd just be blowing through the expectations, and it hasn't been. So I, it's it still still fighting supply chain issues, dealing yeah. with older plants. You know, older plants, you know, we, it, you, we talked about meal and we talked about soybean oil and, and this, the one thing I would tell you is soybean oil, even though we have this renewable diesel demand, those spreads are not acting anywhere like they have the last two years. You know, we were sharply inverted markets the last two years, you know, on the front end, March, May is going to a carry on, on bean oil, um, you know, or has is already trading a carry, you know, I mean, these are like, you know, 2018 type, you know, numbers. Yeah. So. Uh, it's it's very unusual. I mean, ultimately, I mean, you would think with these new crush plants coming online, renewable diesel projects, 
Um, you know, they're going to make many hand over fist if we see a substantial break from this point forward in bean oil, right. you know, if they can lock right. in these margins. But, but meal is definitely, I mean, meal is driving, driving yeah. the, 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 the boat right now. Yep. Okay. So with, with all of this, what, what kind of strategies do you, and I, I should say with that two, 2013 type year in mind, what do you like for some risk management strategies? Well, I mean, just keep it simple. You just kind of amplify the percentages you get sold, you know, and yeah. try to get to your mark. You get to your marks by mid-June, advance the seasonals. But, you know, you're assuming you're you're going into the season assuming an 80% year, you know, where the seasonal highs are going to be set in Mar- in May or June or, or at, at, at the very least July. And mm-hmm. and that's how you market. And if, if you, um, you know, we don't like – you know, to get into multiple year crop years, um, you know, for, 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 uh, for advancing sales, but this might be a year that you maybe make a small, you know, 10% sale or something out into, into the deferred, you know, you know, just get on the board with some deferred stuff because it, it may be your best sale. But, um, you know, as, as far as what we've done here, I mean, we can, uh, you know, we, 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 we had it, we lucked out, you know, you hear it all the time, have target offers in the market, have target markers yep. in the office. Yep. Cause the, cause these, cause these markets are just extremely volatile. Um, we, our last sale on new crop beans was 14 and a quarter. I think it was the last, last day of the year. we got that picked off on an HTA in this dollar break in, in November beans, you know, there was some of our customers that wanted to, to reown those sales. So, um, you know, get a dollar break before the spring, you know, pricing period. Uh, even the set, you know, the, there was yeah. some decent reownership opportunities to get back to the moving average. So there was, you know, we did some of that, but you know, we, we're at strictly a, a sell and defend type strategy as far as our marketing is concerned. Okay. Um, I think that I do think that I like the bull spreads and grains. I think July gains on these here, uh, upside, upside targets towards, uh, you know, I think eventually we get up back towards to a dollar based off the, the S and D's. And I think that that pressure on the, the, or the, the strength in the, in the, uh, July D's largely comes on, uh, pressure in new crop December corn. Once we get into this, this, uh, spring crop insurance pricing period, you know, and get yeah. a decent idea what the base price is. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, when, when we think about movement in acres based on that February, uh, sp- or the the spring price on the revenue assurance. Uh, we added acres up in North Dakota last year after that yep. price was set. It it yep. feels like there's still room for a battle to take place and to move some acres around. Maybe not maybe not in your backyard in Illinois or my backyard here in Northeast Iowa, but there are spots out there that are willing to move acres around yet. I will, I will agree with that. The caveat to that is uh, how the snow melt in that Red River Valley uh, yep. takes place in the spring because that's that's going to be the key is if, you know, there's, this is the yes, year sir. given the snowfall up in North Dakota that we have flooding in the Red River Valley. That's right. That's right. Garrett, it's good to talk with you again, man. Thank you so much for making time. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. All right. Garrett Toy, Egg Trader Talk. We've got Kerry Artec, Artec Advisory, up next here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Willowwood Glypho 6, as low as $28.97 a gallon tote price when you pay cash and build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at fbn.com slash direct. Ends February 28th. Prices subject to change. TNC apply. All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Great conversation there with the Garrett Toy. Some things to think about as we get into the risk management season on the 23 crop. Maybe step it up just a little bit if you anticipate some of that 2013-type action coming in here. Okay, it is Monday. That means it's time for our weekly update from Kerry Artac. Don't forget, go to artacadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C, advisory.com, and Kerry will get you signed up for a two-week free trial. Let's go ahead, Kerry. What do you got? Thanks for having me, Chip. I'll start with May corn. We settled out 676 half. Um, May is similar to March. I'm going to go out in May because we can talk about um, longer-term ramifications. If we get up and over a key resistance ceiling for this market that is now at 697 and three quarter, about 20 cents higher than where we are now, there's a decent floor of support at 643 even. Uh, now the 697 and three quarter, by the way, is rising two and a half cents a week. I'm just putting it out there in case somebody happens to be following this. A few weeks from now, it'll be in the low seven dollar area. And um, if we were to close this week, for instance, above 697 and three quarter, then May corn uh, enters a meaningful buy signal that should play out into spring trade. 766 half, which is the May 22 high for this contract, would then be expected within about oh two to three months or so. On the way up, 712 even can certainly contain uh, weekly buying pressures. But, you know, if we close the week out above 697 and three quarter, this contract enters a buy signal that should play out over the next few months to 766 half where it can actually top out into expiration. Downside 643 even if tested over the next few weeks can absorb selling through March. We could actually trade inside the 643 even to 697 and three quarter region for the next uh, month or two all the way through March. If we were to close below 643 even at the end of a week and I don't see that happening anytime soon but if so just a mere two to three week sell signal down to 622 even which is long-term support not only for May but even the broader corn market that could actually contain selling into summer trade. On to May soybean meal. Soybean meal put out a decent near-term buy signal last week by closing above 472 even. We are just above that right now. This is a decent support through February and above which over the next month or two, 513.1. 513.1 is a significant overhead resistance area long term. It's a three-year channel top. We actually tested uh, last March, almost a year ago, and we fell off in a meaningful way from there for the 
months to follow, the same can happen. So holding above 472, uh, even in the May soybean meal, 513.1, also rising about a cent a week. Uh, not very much, uh, can contain annual buying pressures, and we could fall off from there. But if we were, at the end of any week, to close above 513.1, this contract becomes increasingly vertical, increasingly hyperbolic. And honestly, the 640 level, which would be an all-time high, I wouldn't be surprised to see that in the months to follow. That could be a summer high, perhaps, if we get up and over 513.1 sometime soon. But until then, 513.1 is our ceiling, really, into summer trade. And in fact, downside, if we close this week back below the 472 even floor of support, 450 even expected within two to three weeks where we could actually bottom out through March and it would be a settlement below 450 even that would pivot this contract aggressively south into later May contract life. 415 even considered a two to three month target if we were to close below 450 even. So you could round it out by just saying we are bullish into March above 472 even until we test that long-term ceiling at 513.1 and we turn bearish into spring if we close below 450, then expecting 415 even. And finally, June live cattle. Live cattle market's been quite bullish, and it is approaching a significant overhead resistance area. The June contract, 160.87. This channel top goes back about six, eight months and is rising 20 cents a week. So you might make note of that if you're if you're following this contract in the weeks ahead, because it'll be a slightly higher number. But it is 160.87, a level that can contain buying into spring trade. And from here, we could fall back to 156 and a quarter over the next three to five weeks weeks, possibly to 153 half over the next several months. But if we do close above 160.87 at the end of this week, June live cattle, the 2014 all-time high at 172.75, you can see that on the weekly chart, does become a realistic two to three month target where the broader uh, live cattle market can place an annual high. But not unless we close above 160.87 at the end of this week. Downside, 156 and a quarter. I don't expect to see that anytime soon. But if we settle below it at the end of any week, in the weeks ahead, we fall to 153.5, which is a, a solid base of long-term support for the June live cattle contract that could actually contain selling into June expiration. And um, I think that that pretty much rounds it out, Chip, for this week. Thanks again for having me. All right. Thank you very much, Kerry. Kerry Artec, Artec Advisory with his weekly update for us. Uh, boy, we're right on the edge there in that June contract, 160.70 on the close today. And we are knocking on the door of what could be kind of a major upside breakout there. Davis, National Weather Service, yeah. six to 10 day outlook. We talked with Brett Waltz from BAM WX this morning mm -hmm. about how we're getting into a a mild, in other words, warmer than normal, yet active period. That's what we've got in the six to 10 day outlook from the National Weather Service. Above normal temperatures expected over uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, most of Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, most of Texas and points to the east of that line and above normal precipitation expected through the Mississippi Valley, the Ohio Valley, the Tennessee Valley, uh, all, boy, up into the Northern Plains, Colorado, Wyoming. Uh, they're all included in the area that expected to see above normal precip, including, including the hard red winter wheat production areas. So, got some warm temperatures on the way but at least it's it, it we've got some the potential for some moisture coming along with it i think 
I don't know anybody that's really going to turn that away. No, I wouldn't turn that away. No, absolutely. Absolutely huh. not. Um, okay, so great outlook from Carrie there. Did you hear some of those numbers on soybean meal, too, bumping up into that Yikes. $600 area? Yikes. There's, uh, there, there is some upside potential if, if we run into some of those issues here this summer and can blow on through it. All right, thank you so much for listening this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Tomorrow afternoon, we've got a new voice. Ben Rand from Blue Line Futures will be our guest tomorrow morning. We've got Colin Woodall, CEO of the NCBA, right here on Agritalk.